there's no better place to get all your Big 12 conference news than the Locked On Big 12 podcast hosted by Josh Neighbors. Follow the Locked On Big 12 podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Sooners, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma Sooners. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Sooners Nation, and welcome to the Monday edition of the Lockdown Sooners Podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Thank you for joining me. My name is John Williams. You can follow me on Twitter at John9Williams, and you can read my work covering the Oklahoma Sooners over at thesoonerswire.com. You can also follow the show on Twitter at Sooners. And joining me today, we got a very special guest. You know him, you love him. It's recruiting analyst from OU Insider at 247 Sports, Parker Thune. Make sure you go follow Parker on Twitter at Parker Thune. Parker, how you doing, man? It's going fantastic, John. Great to be back with you here again. Yeah, we've got some exciting stuff to talk about. Now, it's we're about 10 days out from the initial report from the Houston Chronicle that the Oklahoma Sooners and the Texas Longhorns were looking into moving to the SEC. What was your initial reaction when you first saw that break in on Twitter? Well, I think my reaction was akin to a lot of people's reaction, John, which was, okay, there's no way that's real. I'll be honest, that's my knee-jerk reaction yeah. when I see that news pop up for the first time. Um just because it was so out of the blue and there hadn't even been any rumblings to that effect led me to believe that, okay, this is hearsay from somebody that's tangentially connected to the program. There can't be any, any validity to this, right? Because obviously if those conversations are happening, then they've been happening for quite a while. There's been some progress made in that capacity and you figure, well, those conversations haven't been happening because we would have known. Right. Somebody would have figured it out. Somebody would have broke the news. Um, We would have had some inclination that this was at least on the table. And we didn't. The first we heard of it was the Houston Chronicles report that, oh, OU and Texas are very heavily looking at jumping ship for the SEC. And so I think the initial shock soon wore off once it became clear that, no, this is actually this is legitimately going to happen. Like there is there is progress being made in this direction and this looks like what's going to be the new reality in college football is Oklahoma and Texas to the SEC and lo and behold little over a week later we have the SEC voting unanimously to bring both programs in and we have both programs board of regents voting unanimously uh, to send their respective institutions to the SEC so just an absolute whirlwind it's tough to believe that it's literally only been 11 days since the initial report broke. That is mind boggling. The fact that it has all transpired so quickly. Yeah. And nothing in the world of bureaucracy moves that fast. Like literally nothing. Like you can't get anything done that quickly with that many people involved with, you know, governments involved with border regions. You, you literally can't like, it probably takes much longer to get a statue built on OU's Heisman you know, corner than it does to get Oklahoma and Texas moving to the SEC. Now, to be fair, the, the powers that be have been working on this report say anywhere from six months to up to a year. And that's also the incredible part about all of this is this has been going on for so long and we don't hear anything of it. So as kind of the, the next couple of days transpired and this began to become real, what was your kind of initial takeaway? Like, was that something you were really excited about? You were, you're kind of not sure about what, what was your initial thought as like, hey, Oklahoma's moving to the SEC. My first, my first takeaway, John, once I realized that this was a real thing, 
was, my goodness, this was so well guarded. Because even speaking with closes that are very well placed, close to the program, um, people who reasonably should have knowledge of that type of situation, uh, if it were to transpire, literally had no idea this was coming. And it became very evident over the course of the next few days that literally as few people as remotely possible were plugged in uh, to these conversations and to this sequence of events. Joe Castiglione knew, obviously. Joseph Harris knew. Beyond those two, you can you can reasonably assume Lincoln Riley knew. You'd like to think so. But who knows? But, Maybe he didn't know. But, but all I'm saying is, John, Outside of those three, I would have to imagine there were less than a dozen people that were even aware these conversations were even happening. And all of those people were bound to secrecy and they kept it Yeah, because obviously the initial news of this report didn't come from within the OU circle. It didn't come from within the Texas circle. It came from a Texas A&M beat reporter, right? which is not that shocking when you started to see the visceral reaction pour in from the Aggies. Uh, who were very vehement that they did not want Oklahoma and Texas in the SEC and seemed to be the only ones opposed. But uh, lo and behold, the Texas A&M Board of Regents decides, you know what, there's a lot of money to be made here. We're just going to go ahead and vote yes to this. And there you have it, a unanimous vote from the SEC. And two and a half weeks, John, after I was in attendance at a very mundane iteration of Big 12 Media Days, Oklahoma and Texas are set to play SEC football potentially as soon as next season. That's wild. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing that I think that surprised me is last Wednesday, a week ago, Wednesday, Oklahoma's in the big 12, about three o'clock in the afternoon, the report starts breaking. Now here we are August 1st. And we're talking about maybe in 2022, like next year, we're talking about SEC media days and, getting ready for an sec conference schedule that might have Arkansas and Missouri on it. Like it's, it's a complete whirlwind. And I, for one, I'm kind of excited about it. Like you look at a potential sec schedule and it looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. Now it's going to be a much more challenging schedule, but it's going to be a pretty fun schedule. Even just if you're a football fan in general. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think the added competition that the sec brings is necessary for a program of Oklahoma's caliber at this point, because you look at how they have dominated the big 12 over the course of the Lincoln Riley era. As long as Riley has been on staff at OU, they have not failed to win the big 12 championship. Mm-hmm. They're the owners of six straight conference titles. Clemson is the only program in the country right now that can match that streak. So Oklahoma is the cream of the crop in the big 12 and it's really not close. We expect obviously that Iowa state will begin to challenge them this year. If Matt Campbell's team is all that they're cracked up to be, but there's no questioning that Oklahoma could stand to benefit from some better competition than the likes of Texas tech and Oklahoma state and Baylor. Not that those programs are bottom feeder programs, but when the alternative is a week to week schedule that features the likes of LSU or Auburn, or you go lower down, you look at even a mid-tier SEC team like Mississippi State or Ole Miss, very capable of beating anybody on any given day. So the week-to-week competition in the SEC is going to demand more from Oklahoma, but it goes back to the old adage of iron sharpens iron, yeah. right, John? Oklahoma is going to be a better all-around football team playing SEC football than they will playing Big 12 football because of the level of competition that they're going to face. 
And we'll have more of my conversation with Parker here after the break. But let me talk to you about Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. It's the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. It comes in nine delicious flavors, including the special edition grasshopper cookie. And it's great for you. 17 to 18 grams of protein, only 130 to 180 calories, only four or five grams of sugar. You can't get that in a candy bar, but Built Bar tastes like a candy bar. They've got great flavors like coconut, raspberry, mint brownie, double chocolate, cookies and cream, and German chocolate cake. Again, it is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. It tastes great, and it is great for you. So go to BuiltBar.com right now. Use promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order over at BuiltBar.com. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Like you look about, you know, five, six years ago, they have Tennessee on their non-conference schedule. And we're looking at that as like, hey, that's a really good non-conference game that they've got on the schedule. And now that's going to be like their week to week, like their week to week conference schedule is going to be looking like what we used to think was a good non-conference schedule. And, you know, getting games back like Missouri, I think is really important for Oklahoma. I mean, you look back at their history, they've played 91 games up until the conference realignment 10 years ago. You look at, you know, they have a border with Arkansas. Like I'm an hour and a half away from Fayetteville at, at worst, if there's traffic. So like I could hit up a game in Fayetteville, no problem. You know, you get Texas A&M back on the schedule. And I think it's, it's just good for the program to have those kind of historical rivals, those historical teams that they play in, in a border state like Arkansas on the schedule regularly. I just think it's good for college football. And then you look at, I mean, how great is it going to be the first time that Oklahoma has to travel to Bryant-Denny Stadium? for a regular season SEC game. Like how incredible is that going to, that atmosphere going to be? And then same thing for when Bama comes to Norman, like for a regular season SEC game, it's going to be off the chain. If I can use that phrase in my late thirties. Yeah, absolutely. And make no mistake, John, I really do believe Oklahoma and Alabama is a legendary rivalry waiting to happen because those two programs are set up to be the class of the sec for years, maybe decades to come. And so you put them in the same conference and playing each other at least every other year, if not every single year, that creates a really, really compelling rivalry series, especially with two guys in Nick Saban and Lincoln Riley, who are as well-respected as any head coach across the nation. And so I am really excited to see Oklahoma hit the field with Alabama. I also think that Arkansas game, I mean, granted, Arkansas has not been a tremendous football program the last few years, but especially with the expectation that Oklahoma will be in the same division as Arkansas. I think a lot of people view that game as a rivalry that's been waiting to happen, whether it was going to be non-conference or whether it was going to be conference at some point. But just by virtue of the proximity of those two programs, uh, I think that always had the makings of a really, really compelling rivalry series that just hadn't materialized yet. And so I'm interested to see how that'll play out. Another thing to keep in mind here is that this affects Oklahoma State and Arkansas as much as anybody. And here's why. When you think about the state of Oklahoma, 
that is where Oklahoma State as a university does the vast majority of their recruiting. And the common mindset among high school football players and players across all sports, but talking primarily about football here, the primary mindset among those players who cut their teeth in state at the prep level and don't get recruited by Oklahoma is, oh, you know what? I want to go somewhere where I can play OU every year and stick it to them and show them that they should have recruited me. Right now, that program's Oklahoma State. But once Oklahoma jumps to the SEC, that program looks like it becomes Arkansas, right? Arkansas and Missouri, you got to look like is the two programs that would stand to benefit most from recruiting the state of Oklahoma because of that. That's, I don't know if you want to call it a chip on your shoulder type of factor, but the reality that Oklahoma state and Oklahoma, it looks for all the world, like they're not going to be playing on a year to year basis anymore, but Oklahoma will absolutely be playing Arkansas and Missouri every single year. So that's going to change the game when it comes to recruiting the state of Oklahoma and Arkansas stands to benefit in a big way. Yeah. And let's stick on recruiting a little bit. You're, you're a recruiting analyst. You cover this nonstop for OU insider. And so I want to get your take on this. What does this do for Oklahoma? I mean, they're already a really good recruiting school. Like Lincoln Riley's got his footprint all over the country with four or five star recruits. He's already making an impact every other year with the quarterback class. Does this help Lincoln Riley and the Oklahoma Sooners recruiting game much more than it already is unmistakably and here's what i can promise you john you will see oklahoma legitimately contend for the top class in the nation year in and year out barring a drastic change of personnel in the coaching staff or something completely unexpected and out of the blue if oklahoma stays the course and keeps their coaching staff consistent, is able to avoid any major departures, uh, such as what nearly transpired this past offseason with Texas making a good run at Dennis Simmons. Uh, If Oklahoma can avoid any of that, they are absolutely in a position to dominate the recruiting trail, even more so than they have in the past, especially locally and in the surrounding regions. Uh, You talk about recruiting the state of Texas as well. And Places like Florida, Georgia, Alabama, very football-dense, talent-dense states that are in SEC territory. Oklahoma is an SEC school now. And with, yeah. when they have the SEC badge on their sleeve, John, the one bugaboo that has haunted the Sooners on the recruiting trail in years past goes away. Because when, you're taking, when a recruit is taking a look at Oklahoma versus a school like Florida, a school like Georgia, a school like LSU, Oklahoma is not inherently inferior to any of those programs. Absolutely not. I don't think anybody would allege that. But if I am, say, a four-star high school football player out of the state of Florida, and I am looking at the programs that can best position me for a jump to the NFL and a program that can develop me to such a degree as to further my chances of sustaining a professional career long-term, Here's what Oklahoma can't offer me that SEC programs can. And we talked about it earlier. It's the week-to-week competition. It's the promise of going up against the best of the best on the other side of the football week in and week out. Because, say, for instance, you're a wide receiver playing SEC football. Every single week, whether you are going up against the big boys in Alabama and Georgia and Auburn, or you're going up against the the middle-of-the-road teams like LSU – Even if you're going against the really, really crappy teams like South Carolina, you could be matched up with J.C. Horn, who's a future first-round NFL draft pick, right? So there is talent 
all across the board in the SEC at all positions. And that is why the conference as a whole has proved so alluring to recruits and why you see SEC schools at the top of the recruiting rankings year in and year out is because when they can promise the best competition in the nation, that's as good of a pitch as you can give to a kid. And that's really the one thing that Oklahoma can't offer in comparison to the other elite programs across the nation. When they join the SEC, that Nick, that negative, that goes away. It's wiped away. And all of a sudden you are left with a coaching staff that is very well respected across the nation, a program that has had sustained success and is very much on the precipice of taking the next step and securing a national championship. And now they're playing in the best conference in college football. You can't have it much better. You really can't. And that's why I truly believe that Oklahoma could very realistically secure the number one class in the nation on a year to year basis with regularity once this move becomes official. And that's not to say that Lincoln Riley is going to become the next Nick Saban or that Oklahoma is going to win five national championships in the next decade, like Alabama did, right? That's Bama's a dynasty. We can acknowledge that what they have had going over the course of the Saban era uh, is unique. It's an outlier. But what I am saying is that I really do believe you will see this Oklahoma team win multiple national championships in their first decade in the SEC, because that's how impactful this move is going to be in terms of their recruiting acumen. And you heard Bob Stoops say it earlier last week uh, when he was on an episode of Fox Big Noon kickoff the offseason with Rob Stone. Uh, he said, look, we have been in games. He's He still refers to Oklahoma as we, even though yeah. he hasn't coached a game yeah. there in almost five years. But he said, look, we have been in games in the college football playoff where I think four or five more recruits could have made the difference, could have tipped the scales in our favor. And the move to the SEC puts you in a position to secure those four or five recruits that could tip the scales in Oklahoma's favor in those types of football games. The Sooners are right there, John. They are right on the brink of doing something really special. And I think a lot of people are expecting that it's all going to come together here in 2021. And you will see Oklahoma playing for a title come January. Now, time will tell there. But there is no questioning that given the current trajectory of Oklahoma's program under Lincoln Riley, there is nothing that could have boosted their odds at securing a title or multiple titles in the immediate future then it moved to the SEC. And I'll have more of my conversation with Parker here, but let me talk to you about Bet Online. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing. The NFL and the NCAA football season are right around the corner, and you can track all of the action at Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all of your sporting needs, including MLB, the NBA, NHL, and all of your UFC and MMA action. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device. And check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit by using our promo code Locked On. That's betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. And betting on the Oklahoma Sooners doesn't have to be a guessing game if you listen to the new Locked On Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favorite picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Follow the Locked On Pot. 
follow the Locked On Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag, wherever you get your podcasts. And do you think, sticking with the recruiting thing, do you think that this move right now will have any kind of impact on the 2022-2023 recruiting classes? I think the impact on 2022 will be minimal. And the only reason I say that is because Oklahoma's already got about 60% of its scholarship players accounted for in this cycle. They have, I believe at last count, and I may be wrong, I may be forgetting a player or two, but I want to say 16 hard commits right now, if my memory serves me correctly. Um, You're looking at taking anywhere from 25 to 30 players in this class. It's going to be a heavier class for Oklahoma just by virtue of the way that COVID-19 impacted Mm -hmm. the roster and will continue to impact it for years to come. But uh, it will be a heavier class. That said, I think Oklahoma already has eyes on a lot of the guys that they want to bring in. And, you know, you maybe look at a guy like Gabriel Brownlow Dindy, who's considering Texas A&M heavily, whom Florida was very much in play for, whom, Alabama's always in play for right you say okay well sure being an SEC program now probably gives Oklahoma even more of an advantage with a kid like that who's already an Oklahoma legacy and already favoring the Sooners but at the end of the day I think when you look at the 2022 cycle the kids that are favoring Oklahoma are going to favor Oklahoma all the more now and the kids that aren't considering Oklahoma probably aren't going to start considering Oklahoma this late in the cycle Mm -hmm. simply because the move to the SEC is on the horizon, if that makes sense. So I don't think it impacts 2022 all that much. I do think it could have a very significant impact in 2023 because you look at some of the big, big names that Oklahoma's already very much in the mix for. They got commitments from Trayon Webb and Malachi Nelson. It looks for all the world like they're bringing in uh, Makai Lemon next week. They're in great shape with Brandon Innes. Uh, so many so many of those five-star guys densely packed at the top of the world. I, I don't think it's out of the question, John, that you could see Oklahoma. And this is before any of the SEC talk even began to happen. I don't think it's out of the question that SEC aside, you could see Oklahoma secure five or six five-star recruits in the 2023 wow. cycle. But now you start to think, okay, well, how much more – are they going to be in play for some of these top 2023 talents like a Richard Young, who's the top running back in the nation out of Lehigh Acres, Florida? Uh, you talk about a guy like Innis, who's also from Florida. And so once you start getting into SEC territory down there and you start to recruit the states like Florida and Alabama and Georgia and even Louisiana, which Oklahoma has struggled to recruit in years past, it, you start to figure, okay, well, Maybe this move means that the Sooners will be better positioned to seal the deal on some of those guys that they might have gotten really close to getting in years past, but just couldn't nail it down. And um, I think given the fact that we're still almost a year and a half away from National Signing Day in 2023, um, and just given the fact that the coaching staff, not even the coaching staff, knew that Oklahoma's move to the SEC was in the works. So this is not something that they have been pitching to 2022 kids. But given the fact that they now have time to cultivate these brand new pitches around the SEC brand and the promise of playing SEC football for the class of 2023. Yeah. I, I stand by what I said earlier, John, I think there is a very good chance you see Oklahoma conclude the 2023 cycle with the top class in the nation and at least five or six, five-star recruits. And you know that uh, Annie Hansen in the media department is going to have all kinds of great package stuff 
ready to go to get these guys in the door. You know, the next champion barbecue, there's going to be all kinds of SEC gear and this is going to be plastered all over the stuff at some point in time. Now, what do you think this does for the Big 12? There's a lot of speculation as to what the Big 12 will look like when Oklahoma and Texas leaves. Where do you land on that? The Big 12's dead. Uh, let's call it like it is. And it was inevitable. Look, the Big 12 was on the verge of dying 11 years ago when Dan Beebe had to pull an 11th hour deal that promised Texas the Longhorn Network if they stuck around, uh, which essentially just started a ticking time bomb that has now wound down to zero and here we are in the big 12 is exactly where it was 11 years ago except this time there's absolutely no hope of brokering that kind of a deal uh, to spare the conference in my mind i think what you're going to see happen is you'll see the other eight programs look elsewhere hopefully to other power five conferences although the aac is rumored to be in play uh, for some of those lower level programs like baylor and texas tech for instance but I think for my money, what you will see happen is you'll see them scatter uh, to the other. Here's what I really want to happen, John, and it would never happen because it makes too much sense. But if the Pac-12 got four Big 12 teams, the ACC got two, and the Big 10 got two, then you got four conferences of 16 teams apiece. I love the symmetry there. But again, that just makes too much sense. It It won't happen. Uh, You'll probably see them scatter to the AAC, to the Big 10, to the Pac-12. But you are witnessing the end of the Big 12. I do not think the Big 12 conference will be playing football any later than 2023. Yeah, it would be surprising to see them continue on without their flagship programs. If they did, it would be, I don't know, it wouldn't, it wouldn't even be the same. You know, they, it, it would be another group of five conference. It'd be kind of the group of six at this point. Well, they've lost, at- they've lost over 75% of their revenue. Now that yeah. Oklahoma and Texas are out the door, they've lost yeah. over 75% of their broadcast revenue. You can't continue yeah. as a conference with that kind of a dip in your revenue. Yeah, their, their only hope would be to land some big market teams like a Cincinnati, an SMU, a Houston. But even that is still, it's a, it's a, you know, a drop in the bucket compared to, or that's the wrong analogy. It's not even close to what they were making with Oklahoma and, big, and Texas in the Big 12. It's just, they're, they're not going to be the same. Bob Bowlesby's trying to hold on by a thread, but it's all falling apart. What you're going to have to do is you're going to have to shoot for some of those big name group of five programs like Cincinnati and SMU and Memphis, for instance, you're going to have to promise them a crap ton of money and you're going to have to promise them a conference network, which in theory you can do now that Texas has cleared out and the burden of the Longhorn network is no longer clinging to your conference and weighing it down. So the possibility exists. Does Bob Bowlesby move quick enough and fervently enough to make it happen now becomes the question. And I just don't know that that's the case. Now he's, he seems like a very much of a status quo kind of a guy and not somebody who's going to be super aggressive out there trying to bring teams into the big 12. Now, if you're looking at Oklahoma state, where is your ideal landing spot for them? Well, here's the deal. At this point, Oklahoma state is in, they're not in an enviable position and beggars can't be choosers. Right. So Ideally, you would like to end up in the Pac-12. I think that would probably benefit your conference the most just based on the style of football that Oklahoma State plays. I just don't know whether the Pac-12 is going to take Oklahoma State. I don't know if Oklahoma State could end up in the Big Ten, maybe. I think the AAC would obviously take Oklahoma State, but 
the question becomes, does Oklahoma State figure they're better than the AAC? Yeah. Like, at the end of the day, that may be Oklahoma State's only option when it's all said and done, is the group of five. And you would hope as an institution that given your prowess in other sports, such as wrestling, such as basketball, that you find a home in a power five conference elsewhere. But you also have to reconcile with the possibility that that may not happen. Yeah, it might not. And you may have to go play in the AAC and dominate that league for a couple of years because Oklahoma State would, right? They would run the table in the in, in the AAC year to year. They would be perennial favorites for the championship in that conference. But that's what they may, may be relegated to, at least for the next decade or so, until we start to have the real alignment conversation again. And the interesting thing is, there's no telling when that conversation is going to come up again now at this point, because it was a pretty safe bet in 2010 when the Big 12 had the whole wave of realignment that we were going to be talking about this again very soon. And it's 11 years later, and here we are. But there's no clear answer as to when this is all going to get revisited yet again. So I'll go back to it. You take what you can get at this point. You reconcile with the fact that, look, we got hung out to dry here. Uh, Oklahoma and Texas pulled off a strong arm power play because of the size of their brands and really left us between a rock and a hard place. And they're not the only, they're not the only institution in the big 12. There are seven others that are in the exact same position that are now having to deal with a very significant issue that they did not anticipate having to deal with two weeks ago. Right. And has been thrown onto their radars and suddenly has put them at a, very significant crossroads. So all eight of these institutions have some very big decisions to make in the days and weeks and months to come. And like I said, the clock is ticking in a very real way because I think there's absolutely no chance the big 12 conference is still in existence in any sport come 2024. I know. And they're going to have to scramble because these conferences aren't going to wait around for, to see kind of which teams, you know, like Kansas to me is maybe in a more enviable position than Oklahoma state because of their prowess in basketball, such a rich yep. basketball history, geographically located to the big 10 seems like they might be a better fit moving up there than maybe Oklahoma state would be, but it's just really hard to like peg any one of these schools. I think the only one that really makes the clearest sense might be West Virginia to the ACC, but that's just more regionally. And I don't even know if that would make full sense for them. You got to think about the basketball powerhouses, right? Kansas is a really good basketball school. Baylor just won a national championship and West Virginia with Bob, Bob Huggins. Very, very good at basketball as well. You can throw Texas tech in that conversation too, even though Chris Beard is now out the door, but the programs that have had some success in recent years in basketball are automatically going to be a bit, bit more attractive to their other power five suitors than the likes of an Oklahoma state or a TCU. Yeah, I think TCU probably out of all of the schools that are remaining, maybe Kansas State as well, is probably kind of the biggest the biggest loser in all of this. I mean, they're the team that just got here to the Power Five from the WAC or the Mountain West. I can't I can't remember if it was WAC or Mountain West that they were in before. It was a Mountain West. Yeah, yeah. it's all the same at, at that point, right? It's WAC Mountain. It just all evolves into one another. But yeah, they're they're kind of the biggest loser. Like we just got to the to the big dance, and now everybody's leaving. 
And we're just kind of left hanging out to drive by ourselves because everybody else is more marketable than we are. So yeah, it's, it's going to be really interesting to see how this all evolves and how this all plays out. And I mean, the stories are not at all close to being finished and we'll continue to discuss it here on the Locked On Sooners podcast. Hey, make sure you go check out Parker's work over at OU Insider 247 Sports. Check him out on Twitter at Parker Thune. Got a lot of recruiting stuff happening. Official offers went out on August 1st. The 2022 recruiting cycle is not even close to being finished. We've got a lot in 2023 left to go. So you'll make, you want to make sure you check out Parker's work over there at OUinsider.com. Parker, thanks for having or being on the show. It's always great to have you, man. Absolutely, John. Anytime. You take care. All right, man. Have a good, good night. We'll record this at night. But uh, that's going to do it for today's episode of Locked On Sooners Podcast. Make sure you are checking out the show wherever you get your podcasts. We're available on Apple, Google, Spotify, and the Odyssey app. Follow the show on Twitter at Locked On Sooners. And you can follow me on Twitter at John9Williams. And until tomorrow, Boomer Sooner.